All right, it's Golf Balls Podcast, episode 53. It's Chris Daniels and Ben Friend. We're in the golfballspodcast.com studio, and um, this is our first interview on the clubshare.com expert hotline. This week, our guest, we're bringing greatest hits, one of the greatest hits. She's coming back today. It's Corey Matheson. She's the director of Girls Golf of Phoenix. She's an LPGA professional. And uh, super cool, always helpful, always, you know, I just reached out to her like a day or two ago, said, hey, you know, we're trying to book some more guests. She was, what do you call it, gracious enough to join us for the episode 53, talk about Girls Golf of Phoenix. She's also on the board of a pretty cool foundation, talk about that. Yeah, so got the Rona vaccine today, talk about that. Also, yeah. Yeah, it was cool, hang out in the park and ride. You look... You look different. Yeah, well, you look like uh, I've lost all my hair and I'm growing boobs. <laughs> I don't think that has anything to do with the Rona vaccine. I think that's just the natural course of things. <laughs> the high heels, uh, where those come from? Yeah, and the and the lipstick. Yeah, I, that, it's all because and the, the list of names of people that made fun of you in high school hanging on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. oh man! Oh my god, dude! Well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens after you get your second dose. You <laughs> get a big forehead. They wrote my they, when I got mine. They wrote my middle name as my last name, and I'm afraid I'm gonna have to get it four times now when they fix it, and I'm gonna be the ultimate covid warrior like iron man yeah and of all this of all the spider-man thing, yeah of all the stupid superpower the other night dude so my nine-year-old last night actually goes imagine if my superpower was to throw hyenas at people <laughs> and, I was, <laughs> and i was like you know that's not half bad man. and i haven't i can't believe i didn't think of that earlier but <laughs> but yeah four i might i don't know what's gonna happen now because uh they got the name wrong. So Deborah <laughs> down at the uh, at the COVID station needs to. <laughs> I don't know what she needs to do, but she needs to get her ish together, man. The New Hampshire so. National Guard runs a very efficient coronavirus vaccine. Yeah. Place at the park and ride in London. You Derby. got your card. Yeah, it's in the car. You put me keep it in the car so I don't lose it. So when I come back for my second shot in twenty four days, when they come down when they when they close all the borders to the town and you have to show your card to get in and out. <laughs> Is that gonna happen? <laughs> I don't know. At I, this point, anything can happen. It's I, I, still I, 20, I think it's just 2020 extended. Uh, yeah, like it's like a remainder, and it's just carrying over. I got this tattoo on my arm, too. I don't know what the government's doing. It just says mom or wow, <laughs> depending wow. on how, <laughs> how you look at it. Oh, uh, so when you look at it from like looking down, when you look down, it says it says mom. But from the other end, it says wow. And that way, it shames you from looking at it like that. <laughs> Oh so, uh, so yeah, this is episode, I don't know, episode 53. Before um, we get to the episode, though. What's up? No, You know which affiliate I think we should really, really promote today? Chicago State Company. It's been a while since we talked about them. And I put a deal on the website at golfballspodcast.com. Filet mignon and lobster tail. It's on there. You click the banner at golfballspodcast.com. Steak and lobster. Yeah. Delivered. Right to you, fresh, beautiful. Well, it's frozen. It's like the, you know. Spend that six hundred wisely and get some steak and lobster. Yeah, you get like a bunch, and then it comes right to your door. It's like unbelievable. It's at golfballspodcast.com. Does it come frozen? Yeah, you have to ship it. Obvious, you know. You have to answer like that. I was just asking. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. always, I always get my fillet. 
fresh. Well, the pictures. It's it's just a beautiful thing. Just go to golffallspodcast.com. Is the marbleization nice? It's beautiful. Well, oh. there's not a lot. Of, fillet doesn't have a lot of marbleization. It's no. very lean cut. Oh, that's true. If you get the um, the porterhouse or the T-bone, I just used the word the, word, uh, the wrong terminology, but you know, cool. I like when you whisper in the microphone. It makes my life so much easier later in the well, day when I go back I to just I have the, I have like a little beard going, and it bristles against the thing, and it's just I never know how close to call be. that the French tickler. Well, I'm French Canadian on one half, so that's cool. Which half? The top. <laughs> Irish on the bottom. <laughs> A Barbie doll on the bottom. <laughs> oh Jesus! All right, let's go to no, but close. So, all right, let's 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 fire up the uh, the clubshare dot com expert hotline and. To episode 53 with Corey Matheson. Bring, bring. From the golfballspodcast.com studios, it's Golf Balls Podcast with Ben Friend. I'll do the other side. And Chris Daniels. I don't want to give him a hard time on how he teed up the ball, though. <laughs> yeah. I sent the email to the right, to the Zoom invitation to the wrong email. Clubshare.com expert hotline it is the director of Girls Golf of Phoenix. Corey Matheson. Hi, Corey. Ah, there she is. Uh-huh. Welcome back to the Golf Balls Podcast. Yay. Awesome. Hi, gentlemen. How are you? I'm good. Now we're on. I'm good. Yeah, we like to we like to build up the the tension with the guests yeah. and see if they can if they can take it. And if you're still on the other end, we always expect a like a dead signal, but so far so good. I'm, we're not good at Zoom, so. Since last time we spoke, which was like last mid February last year, not not much has happened. No, how great was your twenty twenty? <laughs> you know, um, I don't even know what year it is anymore. So uh, I don't think we're it matters. just taking it day by day. <laughs> so, so how did the whole COVID thing affect the girls' golf of Phoenix, which is the organization that you're in charge of and in introducing golf to young women of girls of all ages? Yeah, I don't know where your listeners are mainly coming from. Uh, hopefully all over, I'm assuming. Um, our lovely governor in, in Arizona said that golf was essential during this awesome quarantine time, which only benefited our golf industry here. It is booming. I don't know if it's like that across the board, but I feel so grateful to be a part of something that provides people a safe place to be outside and Obviously, it's an individual sport, so they can still, you know, do it as long as they're taking the safety precautions. So, uh, you know, we didn't really, we didn't really miss miss a beat. Uh, working with youth is a little bit of a different story, just because we're dealing with um, kids uh, uh, and dealing with school transitions and things like that. So, families obviously are going through a lot. So, I'm happy to be able to continue to provide a resource for them to have a little bit of fun. So we, we kind of, you know, kept going. We kind of kept trekking along. That was my next question is, did, since a lot of the other sports were shut down, especially the indoor mm-hmm. ones and stuff yeah, like that. everything, yeah. I was my, my big question was, because I think here there was a lot of people that started playing golf just because there was nothing else to do. Totally. And so you, yeah, you, so your program saw an increase in, in participants because maybe their lacrosse wasn't active or something like that, so they tried to find something new to do. Sure, sure. Or uh, maybe having involvement in other sports might have taken them away from playing golf a little bit more. And now they're 
you know, as a good option. And then also I feel like the entire aspect of it being a family sport really helps. It gave families something to do safely together and get out of the house. So, yeah, I mean, when I, when I have a tournament and I visit a local golf course, I mean, honestly, they're stacking tee times all the way up until I'm, you know, pushed out there because they are full, you know, it's a beautiful Saturday in the Phoenix area and they want to get as many golfers out on the course. And obviously during prime season, that would be normal, but I just, I don't know. I see it a lot more. The parking lots are more full. The ranges are more full, especially on some of the more uh, developmental facilities, you know, like a city facility or something that's a little like an executive course. I I think that we're very grateful here and they kind of, uh, you know, we didn't really see a big dip in greens fees in the summer. Everybody just kind of kept playing, even though it was 110 degrees out. So uh, we, yes, it's been good. It's been really good for the golf industry. I think it's uh, brought a lot of new people too. Yeah, we noticed uh, we noticed an uptick up here in the Northeast near the end of the season. It was it was impossible to get a tee time. So, did you now? You said that golf was essential. Did they close the schools, and therefore were you guys able to be more open? Like, did you guys kind of change your hours? You know what I'm saying? Did you become almost like a I don't want to say like a refuge. Uh, daycare? Uh, <laughs> no. Um, you know, I do have some very resourceful LPGA professionals that are friends that sort of took on that format. Um, I have one friend that shared a kind of a best practices format with all the LPGA professionals um, about creating a camp style program where she was, you know, having an hour morning warm up, and then they did an hour long of reading or whatnot. And then they did, then they went back to the golf course and they did an hour of their math lesson, you know, so they had kind of a structured day of education as well as golf, which was really cool. But No, um, I'm a one-man show. I have about 250 active members here in the Phoenix area. So um, that would be a very large daycare uh, to run. Um, So, no, um, I I had to slow down a little bit as far as what I was able to provide just out of sheer numbers and safety. But the tournament aspect of what I could offer is definitely something I can manage because it gets the girls out on the course and it spreads them out. So I was still able to maintain that part of my program, but the instructional developmental side is still really difficult for me to define with getting the amount of help I need to make it safe. So that kind of was put on pause. And honestly, parents were bugging me about doing more stuff. And I was like, take care of your family and stay home. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, just, you know, just focus on your family. And I, I kind of had to do the same. I have three young daughters and we kind of all just had to, you know, hunker down and worry about ourselves. I noticed on the Instagram this past weekend you hosted something called the Itty Bitty Open. Was that yeah? Was that over the weekend? What, what, what was that all about? It looked like a good time. So my program here in the Phoenix area, the Girls Golf of Phoenix, is a program of the Junior Golf Association of Arizona. So our state golf association, the junior side, um, I'm a part of them, and they have been doing this event for shoot, I think it's been about 35 years now, and they hold it at uh, this year, I think it was at seven, but we use anywhere between seven to 15 different parks and there's pros that run the locations and it's for three, four and five-year-olds. And we usually cater to somewhere between 300 to 800 of those little, the little tiny golfers. And we're able to really kind of get little plastic clubs in their hands and give them a fun chance to have some exposure to golf. 
and I ran the one of the locations here in Scottsdale and I was able to see 80 kids on Saturday and they're all three, four and five. So they're tiny little golfers and uh, it's uh, very, very energizing and very fun to get them uh, interested in our game. And it's definitely something I look forward to every year and we only do it once a year. Thank goodness, because I needed a nap after. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how young they start, though. Yeah. I, can't, I can't believe I, I was looking. The girls golf of Phoenix. You start people. At, the the girls start at three years old. So I started three. Yes. So there's only two programs here in the state that start at that age, uh, and it's really family specific on if they've had sort of that golf exposure in their family. A lot of times it's if a mom and dad play golf as well, or even grandma and grandpa whatnot that they've had that golf exposure. Um, you know, some of them aren't quite ready for that at that age, but some of them, man, they. Uh, they're ready to move up quick. Uh, my, my three, four and five year olds play one hole in a tournament and it doesn't sound like much, but honestly it takes them about 45 minutes and they all need a nap after too. So, and some of them get 25 and some of them get five. So, you know, we kind of have it across the board, but really it's just about, I don't really know a lot of places where they can actually transition getting on the golf course, playing from tee to green, playing their own ball, playing shots, different shots, actually hitting out of a bunker if needed. You know what I mean? So it's just about developing that actual on-course game versus just pounding golf balls at the range. So it's a, such a fun uh, thing to see. I have a tournament coming up this weekend, actually, in the Phoenix area. It's called the Frozen Open, and I have 90 girls signed up. I can't even believe it. Uh, and seven of them are in that little tiny itty-bitty division. So they, they are ready to have some fun. I feel like it's... It's taken me 45 minutes to play one hole before, so... It's uh, happened. Yeah, it, it has happened. Yeah, it's not too outlandish to think I'm about. There. Yeah, exactly. You're one of those, like the chip <laughs> that goes like across the green, and then you got to go walk across, and then it goes across the green again, and you got to go across. It's like one of those slow spirals <laughs> into a dark place, and then you just have to pick up your ball and hope it gets better by the by the next hole, but... <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you no, know what You know, it's, it's putting. They don't understand at that age the putting is half their game. And honestly, it's difficult as a parent to really create those putting drills that keep them engaged. Cause I mean, yes, it's fun to get it in the hole, but they all want to swing big, right? They all want to go use their driver the whole time and just hit it on the range. They don't want to switch clubs. They don't want to, they don't want to have control. They want to just swing big. So I think, I mean, I watch girls get on the green in three and then have seven putts. So, uh, and you know, we've all been there before, but, you know, I like to create fun little drills, whether it's putting a couple starbursts on the ground and telling my daughter if she makes it from there, she gets the starburst. You know, it's all about bribery. And that should be an adult putting drill anyways. Yeah, so seriously, just lay out some starburst pink starbursts. Oh, my God, I'd be two putting on everything. That would get me way down. So We what's... play this really fun chipping game where we actually stack the starbursts and we put them out on the green and you chip. And if you knock it down, like, you get them. So oh. it, it just makes a different target. I like so these games. Mike, I'm going to start. I'm going to ask you for drills for three-year-olds, and that's how I'm going to improve my golf game in 2021. Oh, <laughs> why, does it, why does it have to be all the fun for the kids, right? Right. So. It should be. It should. Golf is already becoming more uh, relaxed. You know, I feel like it's changing anyway. So why, why shouldn't we add a little bit more fun and take a little of the staunch out of it? Not I'm for nothing, so though. grateful to be part of that. Go ahead. Ben's, Ben's game. We had lofty goals last year. We're not, there's no pun intended. Ben for his game, his like game actually improved. Okay. It actually improved <laughs> out of 
it, it blew my mind. I stayed the same, and I've been the same since 1997. I haven't improved. And I haven't got worse. Now we're going to add Starburst to the game. You're going to see I some might. low scores, my friend. <laughs> yeah, maybe I get the, the, the square strike wedge will work for me now. Yeah, I, can, yeah. I, I can take 20 strokes <laughs> off my... Oh, so so um, you've also been involved with the uh, I've Got This Foundation. I yeah. Used, and I, I've noticed some Instagram posts. So what's the, what's the uh, I've Got This Foundation? Oh, I'm so grateful to sit on the board. Um, it's a new foundation that was established. Uh, it's about two years ago now um, through um, Amy Bogger study, who was grateful to play with Gary Woodland at the Waste Management Phoenix Open a few years ago. Uh, we uh, were all motivated by her story and her excellent show there uh, with getting her par uh, at Waste Management on the 16th hole. And, you know, she was a m- member of my program and uh, was playing high school golf, getting ready to play high school golf, um, and was able to add my program to her schedule uh, with some with some slight accommodations, whatnot. Amy has Down syndrome and and is part of our um, you know awesome community that needs a little bit of extra support. And so we were able to figure out a way to get her out at tournaments, and the girls all love playing with her. And it really took her game to the next level, competitive wise. And the family became really close with me and we're good friends and they wanted to start this foundation after the spark of interest from the publicity from Gary Woodland. And, you know, we're really just moving forward with some opportunities uh, in our community and also across, uh, you know, really the United States with really being able to offer that accommodation for maybe golfers that didn't think that they could play golf. So I'm happy to be a part of that movement. We're getting ready to partner with some local um, groups here kind of like a YMCA or Boys and Girls Club type organization with kids with uh, developmental special needs. And they uh, can come to like an after school program to be exposed to the game of golf because their family might not be involved. And, you know, we're trying to roll out this type of program that maybe somebody else could do in their community as well if they were interested in getting involved. So it's it's going and we're learning as we go along. And uh, obviously the more kids we can reach the better, but I'm happy to be a liaison for them between event development and girls golf and my LPGA and things like that. So and Amy's blo- she's, blowing up on the, she's blowing up on the social media. Like last time we spoke, she was on YouTube. You see her, <laughs> her playing the, the par three, but all of a sudden over the past few months, like things have been the, I've got this foundation on uh, Instagram has been popping up like crazy in my feed. So, it has to be growing because right. yeah, she's very active on there. It's 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 fun to see. And um, this time of year, there's always a little spark. I mean, waste management is in a couple weeks here. Uh, things are a little different. There's uh, no big fan gallery on 16. Uh, they're actually selling some uh, really cool little advertisement type promo spots where you can like get your face um, on the, you know, on the green. Or I don't know what they're calling it on the wall, like around it to create a gallery, which is really neat. Um, so I'm not really sure what, uh, our involvement will be this year, or what will be allowed. It seems to be changing daily. Arizona's not doing so well with our COVID numbers, but, um, you know, hopefully, uh, at least some reminders of what happened a few years ago and how awesome that was and reminding people that they, you know, that they can do it and anybody can do it. And they got this, you know, that was my next question was what's happening with the waste management. It's my favorite tournament of the year. And I know you guys were talking about coming out to the warm weather and uh, enjoying yeah. the sunshine and all that stuff, I, you know. Back when we were on the uh, just wear your masks for two weeks schedule. I, I went to Florida on March 13th 
and I played golf, oh. and my cruise got canceled. I ended up playing golf, and then most of the courses got closed down, and I, I was kind of stuck. I did find one mm-hmm. other course. That, it was it was a nightmare. So the, all the travel plans we we had like ten places to go yeah. over the year. We I just, think we still we can still go there someday. We just all have to get uh, get, get taken uh, getting taken care of. But uh, yeah, that feels like forever yeah. ago. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that struggle is real across the board. I think that if we sit back and really take a step at how much we want to do, how much we're able to do, we kind of just have to take a deep breath and and realize that. Um, we're grateful for those times and hopefully the time ahead will be able to provide us some of those luxuries again and that and that fun you know so um, if everybody just kind of again you know just takes care of themselves and get let's get safe and and then hopefully we can travel the world and play golf again but waste management is um, still allowing a few spectators it's definitely not going to be what it should be or what it used to be but um, their team and their media is amazing to be able to still provide our fans an experience or provide the viewers an experience. And I think everybody's being really innovative. It's extremely motivating. I mean, we're on a Zoom call right now that you guys were, you know, super tech savvy trying to figure out. And I've done my uh, award ceremonies with my girls. You know, I can't have them hang out after a tournament so we do a zoom call after our tournaments and we all talk and i give out awards over a call you know it's it's just about what we can do and focusing on that and I know, every once in to... a while we can have a pity party on it stinks that we can't go do that yeah but. that's what i miss the most is being able to socialize and you know just that i wasn't a big socializer anyways but that little bit that i did do you know that and especially for the kids the kids are the ones that that need it more than the adults do. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's been brutal. It's good that you're still getting things going and things are going so well for you guys down there. I'm glad that it didn't completely shut everybody in, you know. Yeah, been- Massachusetts, the golf was closed and they opened it in in May because the, the golf courses filed a lawsuit. And then that kind yeah. of... For, they, they, they were one of the only things, um, businesses that actually won and forced the state to let them open. And the day <laughs> it happened... I read on, I saw it online, and I called Ben at nine o'clock, and I think we got a tea time across the street at like nine fifty. Yeah, man, we just soaked one up because no one knew it was legal yet, so we like jumped on it, and it was the best nice. best round ever. Well, not nice. I mean, not numbers wise, but you don't you don't realize well, what yeah. you have until it's gone, I guess. Right. We uh, you know, we had a similar situation here. We they shut down everything, and everybody was on curfew and asked to stay home and things like that. But but golf. And obviously, like grocery stores and things like that, they were deemed essential business um, early on, which kind of kept things going. And golf courses just had to kind of adapt, you know, close the clubhouse, open the window on the side to check people in versus going through and whatnot, just sort of create a different environment. Um, I took a pause, like, you know, end of March, April, May, but my parent organization, the junior golf started back, um, right at the beginning of June. So, uh, doing tournaments for the kids, my first event back was July. So I, I really didn't really miss a beat. What I'm missing is again, that, that large group gathering, those things that really are unique to my program, what the girl, what really empowers the girls, what energizes them, what, you know, the pizza night where we make, dream boards and we talk about our goals and you know it's all that stuff but I mean I did Facebook live and I did zoom calls and I did 
tons of stuff to try to keep them engaged. I, I mailed all the girls wiffle balls, like plastic golf balls, so they could play golf in their house. And it, uh, you know, just trying to do fun stuff. We're all, I think everybody's just doing the best they can. Yeah, force creativity. I think it, it sounds like things are going great. So besides the things we've talked about, what else, what's on the horizon for the girls golf of Phoenix? You know, I, uh, to be honest, it's, it's tough. It's tough to manage. I feel like things are changing. I feel like I'm relying a lot on other, um, organizations or groups or leaders in our industry to kind of take those next moves and see what, what is good. So we kind of just take, you know, one thing at a time. And I mean, I plan on having a full schedule of tournaments, at least providing the girls that I don't know the answers for all of um, the developmental stuff. Uh, we, you know, we're rolling out the vaccine and hopefully this fall will bring some opportunity for a little bit more of that energizing fun. But, you know, I think it's just um, making sure that the girls and the families know that we're all, uh, that we are all family and together for each other and that we're doing the best we can. And I'm happy that our industry is thriving and, and if I can be a resource for anybody, uh, that wants to sort of navigate it if they're a little newer then uh then so be it and i would love to be that so where can people find you on the social media um we have you know i'm very active on instagram uh, with girls golf of phoenix uh, and girls golf of phoenix on facebook you know that that's a local program but there could be a girls golf program in your area um, all of them are different they're all independently managed and run and uh, they may be doing stuff. They may have more stuff. They may have less stuff going on. So um, on girlsgolf.org, that's the national website. There's a little map. You could put your, your zip code in and find out if somebody's doing girls golf in your area. Or feel free to reach out to me and maybe I can connect you with somebody. But girlsgolfoffoenix.org is my website. Well, Corey Matheson, thank you so much for coming on the Golf Balls podcast with us again. Yeah, Always a pleasure it. talking Hi, to you. Uh, yeah, happy. Uh, I should mail you guys some Starburst so you can get your training yeah. back. We appreciate good. it very much. Awesome. And uh, good luck in uh, whatever year this is. I know, right? Thank you. Thanks, guys. Take care. Take right. it easy. Bye, Corey. Bye. Again, back again. Chris and Ben, back again. Looking like a 10. Golfballspodcast.com.